Hi guys, welcome to a new edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I am your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Nostroza, and welcome to episode number 70, entitled The Meaning of It All. Also, welcome to a brand new season of the Red Wall Podcast. This is indeed uh, the fourth season of my podcast. And uh, for the season premiere, I thought I would do something a little special for you guys to kick off a brand new season. So I decided to sit down with one of my cousins and talk about a little bit about his uh, life, his uh, drive to become a chemical engineer, and also his thoughts on um, religion and the meaning of the universe. So... With all that being said, I really hope that you enjoy the conversation that we had. Hi, listeners. I'm very excited to be here. This is a a very fun opportunity for me, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you for being on today. And uh, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? Sure. So uh, my name is Doug. I'm 22. I uh, graduated from the University of Notre Dame this past May, which I know this is going to be later, but it's uh, in 2020, so the year of covid um, currently, I'm an associate process engineer um, for a company called Lummis Technology, uh, which basically means I help in the design um, of chemical plants. So I do like simulations and drawings and things like that. Um, I studied chemical engineering in college, so it's kind of like the natural uh, succession of that. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing that for maybe seven months now, I think. I started back in July, I guess. So it's been, it's been a little while. So I'm starting to get my feet wet and take on more responsibility, but it's been an exciting journey. Just so you're clear listeners, the reason why I decided to have Doug on the podcast, number one, because he's one of my favorite cousins. And number two, when he got older and when he stopped being a little kid to the point that like, when he was a little kid, I'll just dish a little bit. Uh, Like, like every time I wanted to you know, talk to him or get close to him, he would like, like cry or do something to the point where his mother used to blame me for everything. So I cried about everything. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. So that's why, like, every time I went near him, like his father used to yell at me or his mother used to like yell at me. He's like, get away from my child. What are you doing to my child? <laughs> so when Doug got older, uh, we started to have these really awesome conversations about, uh, well, not pretty much love, but life and, you know, certain certain introspective conversations. So I was thinking that we could have um, a similar conversation to that effect today. But before we do that, I uh, want to ask you uh, some questions up front. What was it about engineering that appealed to you and what ultimately skewed you towards that discipline in your in your everyday in your everyday working life, you know that's. I always think that's an interesting question because it kind of puts me into a little bit of a spin. Where I picked engineering kind of like very lightly. Um, I, you know, I was in high school. I, I was doing well in math and science, but I was kind of doing pretty well across the board. Um, but for whatever reason, like I just felt like, okay, this is like what makes sense. Like looking at the career trajectory of like what engineering leads to and the type of work it'll lead to, it just felt like the career path that was like right for me. Like what my skill set would be best suited to, I felt at the time. 
Um, and I also, you know, my, my trajectory changed a lot over the years. When I just got to college, I was like convinced I was going to be an R&D engineer. I was going to be doing like research and a lab coat and whatever. Um, that is very much so not what I do. Currently, I, you know, sit in my bedroom and work from my computer all day uh, because it's work from home. But eventually I'll be going into the office. But, you know, our office environment is more of like a suit and tie environment and not a lab coat environment. But yeah, I don't know. Just even in like college, I picked up chemical engineering just because I thought chemistry was cool and I was already convinced on engineering. Um, but yeah, it, like, I don't really have a super strong reason. It was just like, this This feels right. So you never had the light bulb moment that a lot of people have in their lives where they're doing something and they like doing it so much that like one day they sit down and do it and they go, holy shit, this is the light bulb moment. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And this is what I want to do to try and make a living. You never had that moment. No, exactly. Yeah. For me, it was always just like, I kind of felt like this made sense for right now. And I'm also not like, you know, attached to it in the super long term. I, I enjoy my work right now. I think it's satisfying. It's mentally challenging, which I enjoy. Um, but, you know, I could see myself taking different paths in the future, maybe going to like business or going to law school or something. I don't know. Very, very, we'll see. Hopefully that light bulb comes one day and I just find something and I'm super you know, hoorah about, but right now we're just, just going with the flow. Uh, you were, you were always an interesting kid to me because, um, as I saw you grow up, it was really kind of frustrating in a way, because as we would get together for family dinners every Sunday, as we used to do, um, it always seemed that you, Deanna and your friends and other, other people that we know, had all these kids doing all these amazing things. And I was always the guy that said, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. If that comes off as kind of jealousy, I think that's an apt word because it was funny because your your mom, uh, my aunt, really never, well, this is where you're going to find a little bit about me, really never embraced me in my how can I say career choices or she wasn't, you know, she, she wasn't like, she wasn't as supportive as I wanted her to be in my choices. Like I can, I can remember a time when I told her that I was going to start going to college because I wanted to start doing this. And I, 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 I figured out that to do this, I didn't necessarily need a piece of paper or, or college degree. Right. And she was very judgmental and she was very, very off put. Um, she was very, very off putted by that and um, kind of disappointed to me, kind of disappointed at me in a way. And um, it was very, very um, distressing to me that she didn't give me the, you know, oh my God, follow your dreams sort of speech. Right. Have you ever had a moment like that in your life? Uh, uh, where someone has doubted you to the, uh, uh, as in reference to what you want to do with your life, or, or, uh, you know, any, any specific way you wanted to handle any situation. Have Have you ever had that? Um, let, let me, uh, I guess, preference this: is I've I've been an 
had an incredibly blessed life. I've been super, super lucky throughout, you know, every stage of my life. Um, You know, I got to, I went to a good private, like parochial school. And then I went to like a prep high school. And then I went to, you know, Notre Dame, which is a strong academic school. So like, for the most part, I just, I don't know. Things just kind of worked, I guess. The one sort of instance I think I had of that, and it's to a much lesser degree. um, But when I was kind of picking where I was going to work after college, um, I distinctly remember a conversation. It wasn't like with my mom or anyone, but it was with like a family friend um, from, you know, one of my friends who I've known forever from parochial school, but like one of their family friends. And he was like, Oh, you know, where do you think you're going to work after college? And I was like, Oh, you know, I don't know. Like I'd like to work in New York, but maybe Houston, maybe like West coast. And he was like, Oh no, I'm in like, what company in New York do you think you're going to work for? Like the idea of me leaving New York was like, not like, it was very weird. And it was a very like taboo. It felt like, um, but, you know, was, for me, like, it wasn't a really difficult choice because it was like the job offer that I got, like, I didn't get a ton. Um, the one I took was just the one that made the most sense. You know, mm-hmm. Houston's like the hub for, for our industry uh, as a good company, things like that. So for me, I was like, yeah, like I just doing what I need to do kind of, but like, there was a bit of, you know, we wish you could stay in New York and you're like, you wouldn't leave. And I'm like, well, <laughs> got to do what I got to do. But, uh, you know, like, even still, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. So it wasn't really that bad. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think my, not, not to speak badly against my own mother, but, you know, she's like traditional, I think. And I think her upbringing was kind of like, go to college, do whatever. Like, you know, I mean, you know, Mima and Tata, but, you know, I, I think they kind of pushed her in that direction. So she was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I can tell you a little bit about your mom. I don't, uh, I mean, I know a little bit about her college trajectory. I don't know if she's told you about any of that. Well, I mean, she went to business school and all, or not like, right. yeah, she did that for a bit and then right. decided she didn't like it and then did, right. Right. got her RN. Her, yeah, no. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, the one who, the one who yeah, steered right. her towards that was, uh, I mean, she steered her towards the nursing right. area to be a nurse and all that stuff. Um, no, I just, uh, you know, I, I just, um, I spent a lot of, a lot of my time, as I've told you privately, <laughs> I spent a lot of my time trying to, I've always wanted to be, I've always wanted to stick out. I've always wanted to make your mom proud of me. And I, I, I don't know what this says about my psychological makeup or anything, but I've always wanted to make your mom proud of me. And I've never really felt that. And let me tell you where that comes from. Um, I've told your sister this, but I've never told you this. I don't, I, I don't think I have, but, when you were born, before you were born, your mom was like my best friend ever. Um, I, you know, I would come home from grade school and I would tell her how my day went. She would always, we would always talk. She was like the best thing ever, right? But uh, when you were born, it was, uh, my listeners know this because I did a whole podcast about this. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
actually, actually, don't worry about speaking ill of your mom because your your my listeners know your mom and they know mm. how to feel about your mom. So I mean, don't worry, it's nothing bad. But I just I I just had you know in uh, in earlier episodes I sort of I sort of you know sort of burden myself of all these feelings. Mm. I, I I often I often say to my podcasters the best thing about having a podcast is that it's cheaper than having to go to a shrink. <laughs> and uh and uh work all and work out all your crap that way plus plus a lot of members of my family don't even listen to the show so you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna suffer for it, at least i don't think um anyway um, i think you're all right yeah so so when you were born to get back on track to just make my point here really quick mm. i i was sort of left behind and, and your mother you know, started working on raising you and your sister, right? I was very needy. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, no, but the, no, but the, no, but the thing was that when I told Tata about these feelings and when I told him about this, because I, I reached a point where I go, "Why doesn't Carmen do this? Why doesn't she come to one of my games? Why doesn't she? Why doesn't she do this?" Right? I played organized sports for fifteen years, right? And your mother didn't come to one of those games or for one of those things in 15 years right so i guess what i'm trying to say is that i had a lot of regret towards what happened after you were born and after deanna was born which is which is none of your fault it's it's none of your fault you don't you're not responsible for that i'm all responsible for that and i think that it was just a point of me growing up and understanding that that stuff happens yeah. It's a part of life and shit sucks, you know? And I think, I think I was never, I think I was never able to have the type of relationship that I wanted to have with uh, your mother as my aunt. I never had the, the type of relationship that I wanted to have. I had to, I had to look towards other people to have that peace in my yeah. life fulfilled. Have you ever had any feelings like that before in your life? Or is that just me? Or is that just like crazy, <laughs> stupid shit that I'm wired that way? It's like, have you ever felt that way about anyone or 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 ha- had those feelings of, of you know, I, I want to prove myself to such and such person so they can just say, you're awesome. And I, and I see you and I, um, I'm proud of you. Have you ever had that? Um, I mean, like, you know, as you're speaking, I was just thinking of the fact that, like, I feel like our family in general just isn't the most, like, emotionally forward group of people, you know? <laughs> like, because uh, like, even, like, you know, I, I'm down here with Natalia, and I think she's, like, similar to my mom, and, like, just a lot of our family, they're not very, like, no outward about their no. their thoughts. No. And I was even thinking, like, growing up, I feel like, you know, obviously my parents were always there for me. Right. Um, but, like, they weren't huge into like the, you know, you did great today kid or whatever, you know, like I never really got that. Mm. Um, but I guess for me, the one part that made it okay was that like, I'm very like self-driven, I guess, you know, like my parents weren't like, they weren't like helping me with my homework. Really. They weren't like doing my book reports or like doing my craft fairs and stuff. Like I did everything on my own. Like, Mm. um, you know, so for me, it was always just like, I want to do well, because like, I want me to do well, I guess, 
you know, like I was just kind of was like, like, I guess I was like my own biggest critic kind of deal. So like if they weren't, you know, backing me up or whatever, like I might not have even noticed because I was just like on myself, you know? So, um, cause I always thought it was so funny, like in grade school and whatever, when like, you know, people would have these like crazy setups for like the science fair or like, you know, the social studies fair where clearly like their parents built these like beautiful elaborate structures for them. And then like in my two years of like the different fairs, I got like maybe last in both of them because, you know, we got no support, which is fine. I mean, that's how it should be. Not, not complaining, but I was like, these people like you, you didn't make that. I was like, get out of here. Um, so I don't know. Like, I think there were times where like maybe it would have been nice to get like more, I guess, support emotionally from my parents maybe, but you know, obviously they they were always there for me. Um, Like when I needed it most, I just think again, coming back to my very, very blessed life. There hasn't been that many times. I do like distinctly remember this one text I got from my dad, which I just thought was hilarious like I always like bring it up to people, like some of my friends, whatever, but like, you know, during college, like chemical engineering, you know, whatever, like our, our coursework is like really, really stupidly difficult. Sometimes like all the like classes that you hear of being like really difficult, we have to take like orgo and whatever. And I remember there was like this one exam where like, I, you know, I went into it knowing like I was about to get like absolutely slaughtered. Like I just knew I wasn't prepared. I like couldn't do anything. And I was like, I feel horrible about this. And I like, you know, so my dad texted me afterwards, like, you know how to go. And I was like, I think I did really bad. And he was like, well, I'm proud of you because you tried. And I'm like, oh, that's so hard. Like, like, I just thought it was so like, oh yeah, you failed. Good job. Congrats. And I was like, damn, that's, that's tough, dad. I just thought it was so funny, but yeah, no, I don't like, I think for the most part, maybe, maybe I get the same like gene for my family where I'm not like particularly, I feel like emotionally forward in that way. So I don't know. Yeah. But but you, um, you seem way more put together than I was. I'm like, as a kid growing up, I was very, very not put together in reference to um, my own, you know, you know, my own self-worth. It took me a long time sure. to, to, to understand that it, that it really didn't matter what the fuck you were doing or what the fuck Deanna was doing or what the fuck the Bartons were doing. That really yeah. didn't matter. What mattered the most was what I was doing. Of course. And what mattered the most is that I was happy doing it. It took me forever and ever to learn that lesson. And once I did, I found the sense of inner peace that I was ca- sort of sort of looking for the whole entire time. Yeah. Um, which is which is kind of funny. But you mentioned that our family is not outwardly emotional, right? We don't we we hug. But we're not like, we're not like huggers, but we don't, we're, we're not like huggers and criers. We hug and we kind of just go on with, with our, with our, you know, day or whatever. I mean, like, okay. I should say like 
pulling it back. Like I remember like, especially in like middle school and whatever. And like, even like in high school, like I definitely had like some struggles and had, you know, my like edgy teen listening to lots of like all time low and simple plan and whatever. And like, you know, whatever, hating the world and things like that. But like, (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like for me, it was more just like, I, I I don't want to say I got over it, but like, I don't know, I guess like as my life changed and I like matured and got older and like kind of became more of like my own person, I think, I I guess it's part of it. Like, you know, I, I remember in like elementary school, like I think my first like big failure, I guess, was like, you know, I applied to this high school it's like Catholic high school. It's like very prestigious, whatever. And like, I got rejected and I was like, damn, they said, no, I was like, I got rejected to this high school. And then like a couple of my friends got in and I was like, fuck, like, <laughs> I was like, are they just better than me? Like, what's that about? Um, you know, so that was tough. I had to like deal with that. But like, I, I had like a good high school experience. Actually, it probably helped me in the long run that I didn't get in, but uh, and I think like similar things happened in college where like, I, was, I didn't get into every school I applied to. And I was like, you know, what makes them so much better. But I think ultimately in both cases, I kind of just got lucky in that like, I really enjoyed my high school experience. Like I loved Notre Dame, like, and it is a very like culty school and I'm like fully on board with the cult. You know, I'm, I'm all about it. Like my kids are going to be wearing Notre Dame onesies and there's nothing that can happen like to stop me to doing that. Um, but so like, I think just as like my decisions played out, I guess a lot of those like regrets or maybe like the, not even regrets, but just like the things that like were really like sticking points or like, you know, harder points, I guess, kind of fixed themselves, which is lucky again, but uh yeah. yeah. Um. You mentioned that you, you know, went through your rebellious uh, point in your life, listening to Simple Plan, All Time Low. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you right now, I could, I could, I could never imagine you as a kid saying, you know, fuck the system or, or fuck my parents. I could never imagine you as that type of. Ah, not kid. really that way. I don't know. More but, just like, yeah, uh, these these damn kids in my cool being so mean or whatever kind of deal (laughs) yeah no um speaking of you know simple plan and uh and uh you know newfound glory uh they're still those are my you know my my favorite type of music besides country music and and we're going on the side here but my favorite music besides country music is uh is uh you know punk rock so um Yeah, uh, Simple Plan and Newfound Glory are, are like my top two favorite bands of all time. So um, I listen to them a lot, which is kind of great. Big yeah, fan. no, no. <laughs> um, you know, I I listen I listen to them a lot in high school. So you know, every time yeah. I listen to one of the albums, you know, it brings me back to a better time. So there's yeah. that. For me, it was like middle school, and then like first half of high school i'd say was like yeah. the main phase for me i listened to a lot of avril lavigne too go in, in classic yeah so a skater girl action yeah skater girl action tie so <laughs> good stuff um now to the point uh now we come to the point of the podcast that i wanted to get to um so as i mentioned in the open doug and i have had these amazing conversations 
about love. I mean, well, well, we haven't talked about love, but actually we might bring that up a little bit. Uh, or we might not, who knows. Um, so we've had these amazing conversations about what our theories are on love. Uh, why do I keep saying love? Shit. What our theories are on the greater questions of the universe. And with that, I bring up, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, because you were raised as a, a Catholic gentleman, right? As uh, That I was. Right. And um, so how many years did you spend in, uh, in Catholic school? In total, let's see. So it was four years of college, four years of high school, and then 12 years of grammar school. So total 22. Oh, no. no, that's not right. That's older than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> 18. There you go. Hey, wow. Okay. So. No, 20. 20. <laughs> Wow, I'm going to look really bad to your viewers that I can't do simple math and I'm an engineer, but I did 20 years. That's <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, my viewers know that I, I suck at math, so I think that they're going to forgive you on that one. But cool. you say, so you spent 20 years in the Catholic, right. oh, fuck, I'll use a word, in the Catholic cult. It's not a cult, but it's kind of... 19. 19 years in the Catholic religion, right? And going to Catholic school and doing this and doing that. So I wanted just to ask you, like, how, did you ever, when you were a kid or when you were older, did, did, did you ever, like, think to yourself, like, the Bible and all the teachings in the Bible, like, all that stuff is there, all that stuff is well and good, but how do I know that what's, that the, the things and the stories and the, and the tales that are in this book are factual? How do I know that the person who wrote these actually got them from a person who actually lived, right? Well, I mean, so I, I should preface this like, yeah, like all of my 19 years of Catholic education, like I, you know, we would take like religion classes and whatever. Um, but most of like the, the heavier answers, I guess, like, came in like college because I had to take like college level theology courses that were like pretty intense. Um, but so like to answer that question, like technically speaking, um, you know, the four books of the Bible are, aren't, you know, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are probably not real people. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are like definitely not real people. John, like it might be John the Baptist, unsure historians don't really know but so right so like who wrote them like what was the context and like you know I, this is just going off memory i might not be 100 percent factually correct on all of this but like i think for the most part my understanding is that in the first couple centuries after jesus died um you know assuming he was real and all that um or actually i guess historically he was a person so I think that's not debated, but the stories of the Bible came basically from word of mouth teachings of like the people who witnessed it or the people's who parents witnessed it, whatever oral tradition. And they decided, Hey, we should write this all down and bring all these stories together. But, you know, I mean, like they are stories, you know, it's not a, like, it's not a, what's the word, like a history book, I guess. 
um, or like a documentary kind of thing. Like it's most of them are parables or stories that aren't exactly like factually true, but are supposed to get some sort of meaning out of. Um, so I think people put a lot like way too much historical value into the Bible, whereas I don't think it's really supposed to be that. Um, but, you know, and I think like, you know, you can see that in like creationism where like, obviously no one, well, the church doesn't actually think that world was created in seven days or whatever. Um, you know, the church is all on board with like evolution and things like that now, nowadays. Um, but that's not what like the Bible says, but the Bible is just stories, right? Like they weren't supposed to be taken literally. No, the reason why I say that um, when I was growing up and when my, and when Mima took me to church and I heard all these passages by the most, uh, he was really, he was really a, a powerful figure and he sort of scared the shit out of me. Who uh, you, yeah. He was, yeah. Sc- I mean, you know, you, 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 you probably know him better than I did, but he came to my graduation party from high school. Really? <laughs> yeah, I, he did. No, but he was like, I'm going to use a movie reference here, but just understand that I don't really think that he he wasn't that bad of a guy. But when I thought of him, I I always thought of him. I think he's a good guy. Yeah, I know, but 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 when I first met him, since I'm a since I'm a movie nerd, sure, uh, I thought of him as the as the as a Muslim priest in uh, in uh, in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the guy that the guy that you know, with his hand can stick when take out your heart and start and start screaming at the top of his lungs, you know, Kalima, Kalima, you know, he, he, he got, for some reason, when I was a kid and going to see him talk, I, I was like, he's like the, he's like the, uh, he's like the evil priest from Indiana Jones. Right. And then my, and I, I remember one, I, I remember one time Mima actually got pissed at me because I compared him to a, to a, to a, to an evil priest yeah. and uh she was like you need to stop watching those uh those uh <laughs> steven spielberg films man they're rotting your brain but mm-hmm. he, um but the point that i was trying to make here is that when he spoke about the bible and when he you know uh read from the bible i you know i, I always want to understand or you know talk to him and say Ask him, do you really believe in the crap in the in, in the stuff that you're peddling? Like, I look, I didn't, I, I, I don't, I don't mean to make him sound like a drug dealer, but the main problem that I had is that I had the, I had that main question, and in my life, nobody told me what you just did, or what you just said a couple of seconds right. ago. Nobody told me that. Everybody who's reading this stuff. At least those people in their right minds know that this is maybe not true, or this is partly true. But nobody actually believes this. To like nobody actually believes that everything in the Bible is real, right? Nobody. Yeah, I mean, like, it's not. Yeah, I guess it's fair. Like the the actual veracity of exactly what happened. I guess is not really supposed to be like that important to the general message, but yes. Right. But right. But nobody ever told me that, Oh, we're going to tell you some stories now, but 
these stories are more like fables, right? Right. Or, or these stories are more like, or more like the opening scroll of Star Wars, where they we're going to show you a big opening scroll and half of the shit didn't happen. And maybe half of the shit is based on real events, but, you know, we've changed things to make it, we, we've changed things to make it sound better. Right. Sure. So, but, but nobody sat me down and nobody ever explained that to me. And that got me to a point in my life where I saw, you know, I would hear stuff on the news. I would see other religious groups do awful and horrible things in the name of religion. And that's where I really started to question my faith. And, and I was like, this is ridiculous. If, if I was like, I, I, I got to a point where I said, if, if, if God is real, then why would he allow these awful people to exist? These people are awful. They're, they're killing people for nothing, for, for, for not believing in the same religion that they believe or for, or for, or for being women, right? Or for being gay, right? If, if somebody like God really existed, why would he allow this to happen? Right. So, so I, so, so there was a big part in my life where I was like, this is all bullshit. And I better stop believing this because if I, if, if, if I let this invade my brain in the way that it was, I would have not been a happy guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I've never really told anybody, I've never really told how much it bugged me and it bothered me. It, you know, I, I was always, like you, I was always a very private person. I, I was always, I was always that guy who said, you know what? I'm not going to burden other people with my bullshit. I'm going to deal, I'm going to deal with my stuff the best way I can. And, and I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm not going to force my issues onto other people. But that brings me to the point where I said, you know what? That, that, that brings me to the most interesting part of the conversation. When I started watching Star Trek again, and you, we, we've talked, I've mentioned this to you. Um, the people in Star Trek believe in, they believe in respecting all beings, belief systems, and, and they don't, they, they don't believe in forcing their beliefs onto, uh, you know, other races or anything like that. Right. They're very, very, respectful to all people all aliens and stuff like that but the thing about star trek at least to the point that i understand it is that they believe in evolution over over you know uh, uh the many teachings of the bible so i mean it, it should be noted though that like the bible doesn't necessarily go against evolution or right. I, I shouldn't say the bible i guess like technically speaking if you take it literally it does but like the and I'm not the Catholic church should mention that, you know, me personally do not speak for them. Um, but my understanding is that they, you know, fully embrace evolution and science and things like that. So. Yeah. But I mean, you gotta, you, you have to now, remember now currently. Right. Right. But yeah, you know, you know, you have to remember that I'm coming from a place of just confusion, anger, and complete sure. misunderstanding. I'm coming from a place that, Nobody sat me down and nobody gave me, gave me, gave me a, a, a good picture of what religion is supposed to do and how you're supposed to feel about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was coming from that place. So when I rediscovered Star Trek again, more, more as an adult, more as an adult, right. In the 
right. last five or six years, I Star Trek gave me a belief system that I could accept and that I could believe, right? Um, um, you know, going to going to church and seeing Monsignor speak and seeing other people speak, they never gave me what Star Trek gave me. If that's make if if I'm if I'm making any sense to you at all, right? So it it it, it was just really interesting to me that a TV show gave me answers or, or gave me gave me an idea of what faith is and what belief is better than uh better than a whole a whole conglomerate of the most powerful of the most powerful organization on our planet could i i just i just um i just find that interesting and find that ironic you know i mean personally i feel like it's more that it gave you like a mindset to approach other religions but i'm not sure it's like a particular belief system itself i mean because like things like evolution and science or whatever aren't really a a belief system i think Mm -hmm. Like, no, no, but you know, no, but no, 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 but here's the thing. When I say Star Trek gave me a belief system, when, when, because I have a lot of like super nutty religious friends, right? I've told you. Sure. I have a lot of super religious nutty friends and they, you know, they, they know that, you know, I don't believe in God and some of them call me an atheist. Some of them call me this and call me, call me that. And every time that they start calling me that, I say, no, I'm not an atheist. I believe in the scientific, you know, I believe in the scientific definition of the way the earth was made. Right. Right. Uh, over, you know, a billion years ago, a couple atoms got together in space and then poof. Right. The Big Bang. Right. Sure. I basically, you know, you know, I try to, I try to explain to them that I believe, but I basically believe, I basically believe in that, right? I don't believe in that, you know, and you know, and in that, in that a guy could walk on water, or a guy was, you know, or a guy was, you know, you know, um, you know, cru- uh, uh, crucified on the cross and was resurrected and did all this shit, right? Well, I think it kind of sounds like you guys are arguing different things. So, so. Okay, so like what the, the term atheist, okay. you know, it means like you're not a theist. And a theist is like a God-believing person, I believe, is the definition of the word theist. Okay, so in your mind, what do you think that we're arguing about? Do you think that both of us are missing the point here? I mean, personally, I don't think I'm missing the point. <laughs> no, but no. But, wait, okay, 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 okay. All right, but I, I looked up the definition of the word theist. It's a person who believes in the existence of a god or gods. Okay, so would you classify me by that definition just based on what I just said? I, I mean, technically. I, I mean, like, I don't think so. I think, like, we had discussed this before. Like, I don't think atheist is a term that should be, like, taboo or bad. Like, I don't think there's any, like, should be any negative connotation towards it. You know, I think, like, Mm -hmm. religious people are, like, those damn atheists (laughs) and whatever, you know. But, like, I have plenty of friends, like, from even from, like, Notre Dame, like, a very Catholic school who, like, would self-identify as an atheist because they're, like, hey, like, I don't 
you know, feel like I believe there is a God, you know, it doesn't make them like, I don't know. Like, that's like, if you think of their like theist based worldview would say, Hey, we don't think that like God is real. So then by definition, you're an atheist or you could be like an agnostic where you're like, you don't, you're not like convinced either way. Like you're unsure if God exists. Um, but like by, you know, the definition, you would be an atheist. Um, so, so your mother's right then. She, I don't know what she said, but if she said she that, says, then she says, she says that I don't, I don't believe in shit. And yeah, well, okay. Wait, 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 wait okay. let me finish. She all said, right, right. she said, I quote, you don't believe in shit and that doesn't believe in shit. And that's why you guys are well, she didn't say this, but that's why you guys are going to go to hell. She didn't say well, that. Hey, if, she if, didn't say that last part. If God doesn't exist, then hell probably doesn't exist either. So you're fine, you know? <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, so, like, so let me. I, I assume when she says you don't believe in shit, she directly just means in the religious sense. So I don't think that's like challenging your belief in like the natural world. Okay. So let me ask you this. When she says that stuff, to me so you know what i i, I kind of went around the bend and got to a point where i didn't want to get so what i wanted to ask you is what are your beliefs that sorry what are your belief systems you know being that you spent 19 years a billion years in catholic schooling so, so what what are your belief systems do you believe in in you know in the big bang in, let's say in the evolution theory or the big bang theory do you find that plausible or do you find that to be a bunch of shit yeah no i mean evolution's like sure it's just verifiably like i mean that's the leading i mean again i'm an engineer like i, I science is my yeah career path like i've taken like a disgusting amount of like math and science in my life right so um so like so i like i i think that's true obviously but i'm also like i think like Catholicism is very like pliable to also have like a very scientific mindset. Um, you know, again, like the church, the church actually has like a huge reach research Institute. Like the Vatican houses, some of like the most intense, like science, um, like what are the words, uh, like instruments in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like they and believe and endorse like evolution and, um, uh, like, Obviously, they don't think that Earth is the center of the universe and things like that anymore. Um, so, like, I, you know, still believe in all that. Like, you say the Big Bang, that's a, that's an interesting one to me because, like, I'm not actually convinced that, like, there was a single Big Bang. Like, I like obviously, at some point, like, that action occurred, but th- it also might be cyclic, which has a really interesting, like, implication where like it might not have only gone out, it might have like collapsed and then re blown up, which means it'll like expand and then shrink Mm. and expand and shrink. I know that's just like another theory. Um, But like, yes, I believe like something like that happens. Like the world's obvious, the universe is expanding, which has the implication that something expanded from very little. Um, But like, so, and then also like, I I should answer like the actual question is like, what's my belief system? I for the amount of Catholic schools that I've gone through, I have a very like wishy-washy, not very hard belief system. Um, I just think like, 
the the hardest thing for me is like, especially if I go to like church, you know, in New York, right? Like in like the normal diocesan Catholic run of the mill parish. And like, you know, you hear the priest speak, especially like in the homilies and whatever. Cause like, again, the, the scripture isn't supposed to be taken literally. Like there are some prescribed like Catholic or whatever um, interpretations of what they believe it means. I don't have that memorized. I don't know. But, um, you know, the priest is supposed to tell you that, like what it, like, you know, what it means, like what you're supposed to think about that, like it's implication on like the modern world. And like, that's like the priest's job. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, but like, so when I'm in, you know, like our hometown at our, our normal parish, whatever, it always feels like they talk about like God and religion in a very like, charismatic and very like physical way in the sense of like, you know, Jesus and God is like this person who's like helping you out. Like you're having a hard time. He's going to throw you a hand. Like, you know, they talk about it as a very like literal sense, I guess. Um, But then going to like college level theology, you know, it becomes very clear that that's not exactly how it works. You know, like they talk about the omniscient, omnipotent, um, like all good natures or whatever of God and like how it's not like a temporal thing. It's not a physical existence. Like they only say he, because it makes it easier to talk about, but it's not like a guy, like, you know, those like very like philosophical thoughts and like that approach to religion, I think makes it harder for me to like have this very strong belief system. Because like, when you think of the very, like, I guess, hands off version of like philosophical Catholicism, you know, I feel like it's a lot harder to be like strongly suited in your thoughts. Um, But like, so I don't know, like personally, like I, I think God exists probably, but like, I, you know, even on that basis, I'm not like a hundred thousand percent sure. Like, you know, I know Jesus existed as like a human being, but like the stories, like I'm not exactly sure if they were true or not. It's not really important for the actual like belief system on like a moral basis. Um, but like, so I don't know. I like I buy into the you know turn the other cheek, love your neighbor, like things like that. Like that's the type of Catholicism that I really enjoy. Like the you know, just be good to everyone kind of thing, which obviously isn't the case for a lot of Catholics in the world or a lot of like very religious people where they're like very, very bad to their neighbors. Like that's like the first thing they say. They're like, Hey, love everyone, man. And then people are like, but if you're gay, mm, can't do it. Like that's bullshit. Like, so yeah, I have like some issues with like that type of part of the church. Um, I guess I'm like a progressive Catholic, but like, you know, when you hear like the, priests at like Notre Dame or like, you know, Jesuit priests and things like that. They're much more of the like philosophical God. And then like, just be good to everyone. Like it's a much like nicer strand of Catholicism. I always thought, but then, you know, you come back to like, whatever, like our, our hometown and like hear the church there and it's like different. I don't know. For me, I always thought that was weird how like there are such different like beliefs within the same religion. So it like, which is hard for me to like stomach, I guess. 
but no, so, that you know, a very you know, long-winded non-answer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that that brings up the question. You know, who was the guy? You know, like was there a guy in a room somewhere a thousand years ago that's that you know decided to write all this crap down and said, "I'm going to do this, and I'm going to, and I'm going to, I'm going to do this because I want to give." the downtrodden and the people that need help, something to believe in, right? So I'm like, who decided, who's the guy that said, okay, here's what, here's what being Catholic is. Here's what you can do. And here's what you can't do. And here's some of the shit that we accept, but we're not going to really talk about. Right. So I'm like, when you know, you know, when you know, you know, when when I'm talking to my Catholic friends and I'm and I'm and they're debating, they're debating with me and they're trying to get me to believe and they're trying to get me to believe that when I die I'm gonna go to I'm gonna go to heaven and I'm gonna meet God and I'm gonna do all this and 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 I'm thinking to myself when I'm dead I'm dead I'm not going anywhere I'm just gonna stop existing I'm dead I'm not gonna go anywhere the 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 living soul that I have in myself is just gonna go. It's going to be like a light. If the soul exists. Yeah, whatever. You know, you know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, so I, you know, I, you know, you know, when I, when I'm having, when I'm having conver- uh, those conversations with my Catholic friends, those are the kind of questions that I want to bring up, but I don't bring them up because I understand if I do that, we're going to get into a bigger fight. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you to, know, to be fair, like a vast majority of Catholics don't know like the reasons why we believe most things. Yeah. So, you know, like I, again, I didn't really learn much of the reasoning behind anything until like college. And like, you know, I, I think like this whole conversation stems back from the one night after, you know, I I had, so I had taken this theology course for some context and, you know, I came back to New York from, from school and and Marcelo and I had, you know, this long conversation where basically like, it was over dinner. Over dinner. And I had this like wealth of new information in my head about like the whole process of all of the councils and the early church history. I, I don't know if you were going to like intro that. So I might've taken that from you, but no, it's all right. It's fine. Yeah. Um, you can, no, you can, you can, if, if you remember some of the stuff, you can do it now because I, well, okay. So I think that this conversation deserves a little context. That was my fault. I didn't, I just, Oh, it's okay. But no, so like, that's that's kind of where this came from because we had this long conversation and like this because this was the first time again I did 19 years of Catholic school and this was the first time that anyone explained to me like where any of this came from because like up until that point it was always like this is what we believe and I was like okay but like you never got the why in it ever that's it um and the why is very it's a very like political human transformation that happened over the first especially like the first five centuries which is still very old or maybe, no maybe like eight centuries i don't know something like that again th- this isn't fresh in my mind anymore so i forget a lot of it but um you know basically over the course of like hundreds of hundreds of years after you know after jesus died and like now you have this group of people who like followed the way which is like the name of early catholicism was the sounds way. like the mandalorian this is the way 
Sorry. That's, that's probably where it's from. Sorry. Maybe. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, so like there's these group of people and they kind of like organized and they started like having a little bit of momentum, but especially for like the first 200 years of their existence, they weren't like a prominent group of people. You know, they were like deeply persecuted by the Romans and like everyone. Um, but, you know, they started writing letters that became like well-known, like from like Paul and whatever. And like, they were like starting to like grow out and around like the Middle Eastern region, like around like, you know, Israel and then up towards like Rome and Greece and all that. Um, but anyways, like, so there's all these like priests that are starting to pop up all over the place. And then like, they started having conflicting views on different things. Like, you know, what's the nature of Jesus? And, you know, like what we're taught is that, Oh, he's like a hundred percent of like two natures. He's like totally divine and totally human Mm. and all that. But like not everyone, Hey, that's that's what the, again, it's what the church believes. That's what they still agree with to this day, but that's like what, you know, you're taught, but like there were groups of people within the church who believed he was half human, half divine. They believed he was like fully divine and like a human body or like, like there's like different schools of thoughts. So, you know, they, like these large groups came together in the councils and they decided this is what we're going to believe, you know? So like, again, I guess for me, like that, why it makes it harder for me to like have this really strong belief in these things, because it is just like these people had a philosophical decision. They had like a, a long discussion. They said, Hey, this makes the most sense. So this is what we're going to do. But it's not like it was like, some divine message that was like rained down through the the clouds or whatever. It was just like a group of old guys in a big old church. And they say, Hey, this is what we think, you know, um, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't the burning bush then. Well, I mean, like <laughs> that's old Testament stuff. Yeah. This is all like new Testament after Jesus and whatever. But, um, you know, that brings me to my next point, unless you had something else to add on there. No, I mean, just like generally that, you know, the belief system of the Catholic church has been a lot more fluid than people think it is. Mm-hmm. Like it changes over times. Like these councils, sometimes they go back on each other and sometimes they'll be like, no, actually we don't think that anymore. Like we're going to void that council because we didn't think like the decision we reached was correct. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're like, Oh, we now think that like, Oh, like, I mean, you could look at like the Eastern churches, like the Eastern Orthodox churches versus like the Roman Catholic churches. I mean, like one of their biggest dis- like issues was that it was like this term, like filioque, which is a Latin term that means like from the son. So like in like the Nicene Creed, like Catholics say from the father and the son, it was like the Holy Spirit. I don't know. I forget the words exactly, but like, you know, there's this like one word that the Eastern churches were like, no, we don't think that's right. And the Catholic churches were like, no we think that's right. So then they like split. I mean, they split for a lot of reasons, but like, that was one of the reasons. Right. Um, you know, so like, anyways, you, you can continue, but yeah, just, a, it was a long process with like political figures and people would throw their political weight around and like, you know, force cer- certain ideas and whatever, but yeah. No. Um, the, well, I think that you just answered, just gave me, what I was looking for all those years when you took that course. Yeah. Because when you took that course, oh, it was fascinating you, for me. You said that you said that for the first time in 19 years, somebody actually you actually sat down and somebody actually tried to explain to you 
why? Right. Right. And where this came from. And I think if I had been in that course with you, I would have gone, holy shit, this makes more sense. Why, didn't yeah. they, why don't they preach? Why don't they explain stuff like this in those sermons that we used to go to on Sundays? Yeah. And, and like, you know, kind of what I was getting at before of like the different priests given the different homilies, whether it was like Notre Dame or, you know, in Austin, it was just right. that like, for me, like at Notre Dame, like these are all collegiate priests like the priest who lived in our like my dorm um he like was the one who would say mass for us on sundays like i I didn't go every sunday but like you know a lot of the times i would go and he would kind of give a more like philosophical why based homily and he also like he was a professor who taught how to give homilies was like his thing to like other priests Mm -hmm. um so he was like great at that you know and then i come back to like you know, Austining and they're just not like, they're not on the same level. And it's like frustrating because that's the kind of information that's important. But I also get that, like, it's not easy to like grasp, you know, the idea that like God's not a physical temporal being Mm -hmm. does like, so then what is he like? That's not an easy question to answer, you know? No. And you know, when I, when I had problems, you know, understanding my faith uh, as I was growing up and as I got older, that's, I mean, you know, all my life I've been a fan of science fiction and movies and you know this. Right. So I think the reason why I love science fiction that much is because science fiction has an interesting way of playing with the human condition. A lot of, anyway, any good science fiction, it tries to answer the basic question is, is, you know, you know, who am I? Where did I come from? Or, you know, you know, good science fiction tries to answer the question, you know, uh, the, 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 the question that, you know, a lot of people are searching for is why are we here? Who put us here? And what was all, you know, you know, what, you know, what is the meaning of all this? Right. And I think, I think that, because I like science fiction so much and because I love Star Trek so much, I got to a point in my life where I just latched on to some ideals that made most sense to me. And that's why right. I said, you know, one day I made up, I one, one day, one day I made up my mind and I said to myself, I believe in this, the, the scientific uh, uh, explanation uh, opposed to, you know, having this traditional Catholic belief. But, the, you know, that, that brings me to another point. Catholic, the, the Catholic religion is so big and there's so many different parts to it. Why do you think there's so many different books and so many different texts and so many different, you know, like you have, you have the Protestant, you have the Protestants over here. You have the, you have the, the, the the you know well, Protestants you know, aren't Catholics, but we, yeah. we, we will see. Yeah, see, this is what happens when somebody who was brought <laughs> up as an awful Catholic talks to somebody who went to Catholic school for nineteen years. I'm not a great Catholic either. Don't worry. No, but yeah, no, but the <laughs> thing is, I don't know stuff like that because I was brought up a Catholic, but I was brought up a Catholic person that was given no answers and no right. direction. Right. So you know. Um, again, why do you think there's so many books and so many different texts and so many different churches that teach basically the same 
type of thing, but so differently. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think it's kind of human nature, you know, given enough time, given that like, you know, religions of the books. So, you know, primarily Christianity, um, Islam and Judaism, they've existed for like thousands and thousands and thousands of years, mm. you know? So like over that amount of time, people disagree with things. Also the church throughout its history wasn't always great, you know, yeah. like what? obviously crusades and things like they did some really, really <laughs> bad stuff. Um, so like a lot That's of understatement, a lot of the splits came because of non-theological reasons. Non-theological um, non reasons. Can you explain that a little bit better? Like theological reasons. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier with like the Eastern, like Orthodox churches and like the Western Catholic churches splitting. Um, I guess like they sort of believe they're Catholic. I don't know. It's whatever. Part of it was like just a political, like not even political, like cultural divide, you know, like, mm -hmm they were culturally very different groups of people who lived different sort of ways of, to go about their life. And then mm. as they grew further and further apart, um, it just like made more sense for them to like be independent of each other. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like part of like, you know, Martin Luther's 95 thesis, the founding of like the Lutheran church, like he was really upset with the church for doing like, um, what do they call like the indulgences? Like you could pay to get your sins erased. He was like, Hey, that's bullshit. Like, that's not right. And like the church today would be like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair, you know, but like the church at the time was like trying to build the St. Peter's Basilica, which is gorgeous, but really expensive, you know? So they kind of just like took a lot of money from a lot of people. And, you know, the, that was the, that wasn't enlightenment. That was, I forget the names. There's like different names for the different church periods because there's enlightenment. And then there was, I guess, Protestant was like protest, whatever. Anyways, but basically like that, you know, like he did have his own like theological differences with the church, especially on things like predestination. Um, but, you know, part of it was like, hey, the church is like bad. Like they're not good like people based off like no. the basic tenets of religion or like the basic tenets of like the Bible. So like, Hey, like maybe we should make our own thing down the road. And there's also like some fun ones. Like the Anglican church was kind of based because like King Henry wanted to get divorced like a bunch of times. <laughs> wow, and the Catholic church was like, Hey, no. And then he was like, well, I'll just make my own church then screw it. <laughs> so that's like where the church of England came from. So like, you know, like a wow. lot of the reasons were like historic, that's why the Anglican church was like fairly similar to the Catholic church because it wasn't that he didn't want to be Catholic. He just wanted to get remarried and divorced. Yeah. Um, it. no. no, it's, I think, I think that if I ever, I think that if I ever took one of these courses, the similar courses to that you took, I would have had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was, again, it was really interesting. And it really showed the fact that like religion over time, like the institutions are human, you know, mm -hmm. like, they have ups and downs and changes and beliefs and changes of ways of thinking. And, you know, they evolve over time. Um, but like, you know, when you sit in mass, especially you sit in like your parish church and they say, you know, you got to do good things to go to heaven and all that. Like, they're not really like trying to get into like the meat of like 
the reasoning, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of just give like more of a superficial level because I mean, for the most part, like without like an extensive knowledge on like the history of the church and like all of the writings and the different players, like, you know, like Aquinas and Pope Leo, the whatever the great, I think. And, um, you know, like Augustine and all those people, like the really philosophical writers, like it doesn't like, it, like I'm a basic level me saying, Oh, God's not like it's supposed to be a, like a matter, like mm-hmm. temporal person is just the same as saying he's a guy who lives down the street with the long white beard. You know, it's just something you would <laughs> also have to believe, you know? Um, so I feel like for a normal parish priest, it probably makes more sense to keep it pretty superficial, you know? Okay. But I don't so, know. Right. So here's the other question I want to ask. Sure. What What do you think it is about religion that makes some people so, so blind and so anchored to their faith that when they meet other people like us, for example, um, they'll just, they'll just go, you believe in what I can't talk to you or I can't associate myself with you because you don't believe in what I believe. What, what is it about religion in specific that makes people so beholden to an ideal well, I think part of it, like there, there are some religions that are like, if you don't believe you're a bad, bad guy or whatever. So there's like that aspect of it. But I think probably a st- stronger driving force of the fact is like one of the biggest aspects of religion, and it always has been, is the community aspect of it. And when you're like a part of a religion, you're a part of a greater community of people who like believe the same thing, right? So like by being a part of this community, you're more likely to like feed into it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think at times that can lead to like a tribalistic, you know, like go our team, like our, our team is the best team. Mm -hmm. Like our religion is the best religion. And like, so I, I mean, I I, like, I don't know, like that's kind of like a, a, a negative way to think of it, but I think that like, that is part of it. Like, Oh, we're right. And you're wrong. I think that's actually, I should say, I think that's a big part of it is that like most religions don't really allow for other religions to also be right. You know, um, like if the full Catholic belief system is right, then every other religion is wrong. If the full like Jewish belief system is right, then every other religion is wrong, you know? So I think that also makes people like defensive, like, Oh, if you believe this, then that means you believe that what I believe is not true kind of thing. So I I don't know. I think like all those factors together of like them being like community-based, them like the implication of them not being, I forget the word, but like they can't all exist at the same time. Uh, Things like that make people act pretty strongly. No, um, no, I just, uh, while you were talking, I thought about another question to ask you. Um, that's interesting and it'll be interesting to see what, hear what you say, because based on what sure. you've said to us uh, in, in the podcast, I'm interested in what you said. So based on what you said and based on what you've said about your beliefs, here's an interesting question that I want to ask sure. you. When you meet uh, uh, that, that right person for you, when you meet that, that girl that just says, Oh my God, I'm going to marry this girl. Right. You said to me on 
couple occasions that you're obsessed with getting married in the Notre Dame in the Notre Dame church. I did not say that. Okay, 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 okay. You, that is not you true. <laughs> you I don't want to get re- married at Notre Dame. Wait, wait a second. It, no, are you sure it wasn't you? No, I don't think so. No, you know who it was? No, it was. I apologize. That was your mother. That, that said, oh, she wants me to get married then? No, no, no. That said, she said to me once that Doug is like, is Doug is like fixated on, on getting married in this, in this big Nordic chapel. That is untrue. And I'm like, no, I'm like, that is verifiably false. So, wait a minute. so, so as you were talking and you were giving us an, you know, uh, um, a, uh, a idea of where you fall on the religion spectrum, I was thinking back to that and I'm like, he's telling us all this shit and it doesn't make sense because if he's saying this, then what he said before doesn't make any sense at all. So I just wanted to see what you said to that because I was like, okay, a guy that just told me all this stuff and this guy, you're telling me that he wants to get married in a church. I mean, I probably do want to get married in a church. Just okay. to be like the Notre Dame church. Okay. So. In matrimony, like as far as okay. like the Western world goes is pretty like religion oriented for the most part anyway. I mean, even like in Japan, most people in Japan have Catholic like weddings despite the fact like nearly none of them are Catholic. Okay. Like, so, you know, so there, there is just some like, um, what's the word? Like, uh, tradition, tradition. There's, it's just like a tradition. You go to the church to get married. I don't know. Okay. So here's the other question. I'm also like not, not a Catholic. I'm just not like a very strong, Catholic. strong one, I guess. Yeah. Here's another question. So if you say sure. you're going to get married into you're going to get married in a church. Would you use a traditional priest to do that? Or, would you go the new wave route and get uh, a, a person to officiate? Like, for example, if you really wanted to piss off your mother, here's what you could do. You could actually... piss off No, no, you, no, you, no, just hear me out for a second. Sure. You could actually say on the day of your wedding, you know, Mom, we had this nice, cool priest. We had this great guy to do it, but he... Is uh, he went away on vacation unexpectedly, right? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hop on my cell phone, and I'm going to make an. I'm going. To, I'm going to make an ordained minister out of Marcelo in like ten seconds. So after he gets certification online, he's going to be the one that goes up there and marries me and my blank wife in like an hour and a half. Would you be cool with that? No, uh, I'd, I'd want a priest to do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so you wouldn't. So, so you wouldn't get somebody to officiate. Then that's what I was. Uh, that's what I was getting. No. At. No. I, I would get a. I would get a priest. Okay. So, um, just a, just a few more questions I have before uh, we wrap up the show sure. because we've we've had you here for an hour. And I, you know, I, I want to let you go. Um. So we've talked about various, um, various sections of religion. We've discussed about where possibly it came from my views your views but here's a a a point of contention uh for me um the main problem is that a lot of there's a lot of evil people in the world we're 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 you know in we're in agreement in that uh, on that that there are why do you think that um, I'm going to just single out one group because this is the main group that really annoys me as far as doing evil religious 
awful things like bombings and stuff like that. But I'm not. I, I'm not calling them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that this. Yeah, be entire, careful with your wording here. Okay, okay. I'm not saying that this entire group is evil. But what is it about? What is it about? Um, what is it about? You know, a a subset of the of the. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna dig myself into a hole, but I don't give a shit because nobody listens to this podcast. Anyway, what is it about? the Muslim religion that for me, when I hear the word Muslim or when I see a Muslim person, the first thing I think about is, is, Oh my God, is this person going to, you know, is this person radicalized? What is it about that, that specific religion that makes them do awful things in the name of religion? Why do people, do that what what, i mean it's definitely not the religion itself that makes them do that okay so okay so you would say that it's not about religion but 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 what's the first thing that you know people you know um you know i think i think that a large subset of that of that you know terrorist um to for lack of a better word community a lot of their uh a lot of their uh mission statement is based around religious you know the 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 pillars of their mission statement are based around religion right if i'm not mistaken. i mean so were like the crusades but it doesn't really mean that they were good catholics doing it you know i don't think anyone in like the muslim world would agree that like these people are like great followers of islam you know like okay. I, I think there's like a lot of political factors at play, especially in the Middle East and how like unstable it is and how, you know, like poor aspects of it are because of, you know, like European or like American intervention that like a lot, I should say like, this is all like not even like a strong opinion. This is just like my, my thoughts generally. I brought you into this. So if you get in trouble, it's going to fall on me. (laughs) Well, no, I mean, like, because the thing is, like, I, I'm not, Thought about like, me. Islamic. No, no, it's fine. We can talk about it. I'm, just, I'm not Islamic, so I don't, I don't, like, really know the ins and outs of the religion. Oh, okay. Like, I know, like, there are some, like, verses or whatever in, like, the Quran that, you know, mention, like, jihad and things as, like, yeah. you know, you're try- you're supposed to, like, bring everyone to, like, their side and whatever. Right. But, like, that's also not, like, an embraced part of, like, the official religious groups. Mm-hmm. Um no, no, but like I think, like I, I know, like some of like the people who get like are, are I guess most likely to be radicalized or people who live in societies that don't really accept them um, for who they are for like for like their religion or like for like even like they're just like the nationality like say you know you're you're of like Arab origin and you're living in like the UK and people are like shitty to you because you're like darker colored or whatever you know like. I think people like that who feel like outsiders are more likely to like have a hateful view towards people, you know, like the Western world or whatever. Cause you're saying like, Hey, these people suck to me. Like they're really shitty to me. Like, and, and I'm going to make the pay and for it's it? easier. Yeah. I think it's easier to get like radicalized in that mm-hmm. situation. I, I like from what I've learned, like my, and again, I don't have a extensive knowledge on like the Islamic religion, but like I am, um, 
from my understanding is that like it nothing in like the official like Sunni or Shiite faith really pushes you in that direction. Mm-hmm. I think it's more like groups that live in, you know, oppressive worlds that kind of push them in this direction of just being like screw the West kind of deal. Yeah. But, um, why do you think, uh, these, uh, these, radicalistic groups frame their terrible acts around religion. They could pick any. I mean, it's their cultural identity. Okay, oh, th- That's it. That's it. That's it. But it's not the religion. It's the okay. culture. Okay. You, you just said it's their culture, but it's not their religion. Isn't that, isn't that one of the same or do you think they're no, separate? I think they're different. I mean, religion in by definition is like your, your like sets of beliefs, right? Like, okay the you know neither the sunni nor shiite which are like the two main factions of islam like believe that you should go you know like blow people up or whatever because they're bad to you like that's not like Mm -hmm. the mainstream thought um Mm -hmm. but you know the issue is like some of the people who do become radicalized are in some of the most unstable regions of the world which is like the middle east um you know and like the thing about like especially like Iraq, Iran, Syria, those are all countries that were like made by like the UK and the allies after world war two, world war one, world war one, I think. Mm. So they're like, not like even like countries that like have like long historical traditions, but like they're, they're like different groups of people that like the Europeans were like, you're a country now get along. And like, they don't, um, you know, so they're like, it create this like very unstable region of the world where a lot of people kind of get shafted. Um, mm. And even like, I think like the highest, like the state in the world that has the like highest per capita, like radicalized people is like Trinidad and Tobago because it's like a fairly poor country. And, you know, you have like a somewhat significant Arab population there who aren't really accepted. And then the, like, they feel like this maliciousness towards whatever. And they'll be like, Oh, like you screwed me. I'm going to stick it to you. So again, like, I don't think that's like, the religion saying, Hey, you should do this. I think it just a side effect of them being kind of an oppressed people. Mm-hmm. And like, I, like, and that's not justifying like the actions of the, like, no, any like sort of terrorist, whatever. It's just no. like, I think that's kind of the, where it comes from type deal. No, I just, you know, you know, I, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I get really upset and really temperamental when, when people like that to me, to to the way that I rationalize it, they're using a religion that was that was originally made to, you know, bring people together to 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 you know you know that originally was made for obsessant was originally made for acceptance and they're using it to justify the horrible things that they're doing, yeah. you know. I mean- Listen, propaganda is a very strong tool and it's worked in many ways throughout history. I mean, like look into like in like World War Two, the way they were able to turn nations against each other to just like go murder each other. I guess, you know, like 
like if you go to like some like the museums on them, they'll have like the different propaganda from the different countries and the way they'll like make other nations that we're fighting against, like in these like caricatures, like these evil, evil people. So then like people were convinced to like, okay, we should go like murder these people and buy the millions, you know, like, so uh, it's not always religious based. It's just like, that's, you know, a strong, I guess they have like strong imagery and strong messages that like appeal to some people in certain situations. Um, I don't know, maybe a very, a very like politically correct way to say that, but like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I, I kind of, I believe that, you know, like given this correct messaging and the correct situation, like you can really make people do terrible things in the name of whatever. Huh. whether it's the name of nationalism, the name of religion, the name of like my team versus your team, here's whatever, one, you know, one. here's one. You brought sure. it up. So you just said with, with the right motivation, you can make basically anybody do awful things if they're not properly in the right mindset to begin with. Right. So here's one where I'm going to, where I'm going to go a little bit left field, but this podcast is pretty much about this anyway. What do you think? <laughs> this is I left field. So what do you think it what do you think it was about I can't even say it. What do you think it was I about you're gonna say Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> so what so what do you think it was about Hitler that that gave him such such power and such influence over an entire nation, so to speak? I mean, he led an entire movement just based on the fact that he didn't like this specific group of people and he led billions to 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 millions but yeah millions to to basically uh you know uh commit genocide what was it about him that appealed to millions of people well i think that's like a good way to show how like the radicalization of like islam whatever it's not really religious based i think it's more like situational based and whatever because like you know Germany after World War One got absolutely royally like screwed by everyone. Um, you know, basically the Allies after World War One put these like crazy sanctions on Germany um, and just completely crippled their economy and made everyone poor and hungry and like downtrodden. You know, and they also like all their cities were destroyed and stuff. Like you know, the, Germany was like a really really bad place at the time. And then, you know, you have this very charismatic war hero guy, Hitler, coming out of World War I, um, who's like, oh, yeah, like, you know, all this hardship that you're going through, like, I can fix. And it's because of these people. And like, you know, because like, if you follow me, like, you're going to have a better life. And like, you know, right. that we're going to make make Germany really good again. Right. If you follow me, I wonder what other messaging that works on anyways but regardless <laughs> um, but no you know so like people were in this like mindset we're like okay like we're getting screwed like and they're looking oh. for a scapegoat they're looking for a way to like make their country great or whatever mm-hmm. and they're like this hitler guy seems to be good at it i guess you know and like by all accounts he was like you know I mean, a hugely like charismatic speaker and yeah. like had like this booming voice I mean, and like i mean have really like woo a crowd and like like i've heard like recordings yeah, and stuff, i mean have like, you ever heard this guy speak yeah so His like you know is, 
you know, he was a psychopath, but he was, his presence was right. So like, again, like, because I think Germany was in like that situation where like the average Joe of the country was feeling like something was, someone else was the issue. You know, I'm sure they had lots of malicious feelings towards like the allies after World War One, but they could also blame it, you know, in their case on like the Jewish people or whatever, like the non-Aryan people like, oh, they're worse off and they're the cause of our issues. And like, you know, that wasn't the case, obviously, but like they used the scapegoat because it was like an idea that appealed to the masses in a time of hardship. Right. Um, and in that case, when people are starving, when people are hungry, like when people are poor and they're losing their livelihoods. It's they're much easier to radicalize. You know, um, that brought up another question in my head, but I'm not going to do it because we're kind of running a little long today. So I'll ask you about that. Okay. Um, so, uh, my two final questions, one of them is easy and one of them you're going to have to do a little thinking on. All right. Um, so what, what do you think it is? Do you, do you generally think that people are, born generally good and they become bad because of the things that happen to them in their lives? Or do you think that there is that when people are born, they're just born with a pre with a predisposition that if something happens to them, you know, they're, they're born with a preposition to be generally awful, awful people like people like Hitler, for example, that we were just talking about. Do you think that when he was born, whoever, you know, his his mom or his dad said, "One day you're going to become the most hated person in human history." Right? What in in your mind? What what is it that that can draw people to be on the side of good, or draw people to be on the complete opposite side of that? Well, I know in like there have been like some psychological t- like to short answer. I don't really know. Um, long answer. I know there's been like tests with like babies where they'll like, see if they'll like help each other, be bad to each other who haven't been like molded by anything or whatever, Mm -hmm. any sort of like societal, whatever, you know, they're like more likely to be helpful and good to each other than not. Right. Um, I like to think maybe it's just like my optimism that people are generally good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's in the best interest of humans to like cooperate with each other and help each other. And that's, you know, why they survived and Mm -hmm. took over the world from Mm -hmm. any other species because, you know, people work together and typically in a symbiotic way. Um, Obviously that's not always the case. Humans do horrendous things to each other too. Um, But I don't know. I, I think like there are situations that like do drive people to do bad things. Um, and there are like, societal ideologies and pressures and things that can like cause people to do bad things or like you know if your upbringing was like really tough or whatever like that could drive you to like do like rationalize morally to do things that like maybe other people wouldn't morally think are like good right um so i don't know i i like to think that people are like born blank slate good but i don't know i could also just be like a true neutral and then like you know depending on their upbringing they get molded in a certain way i don't know um did you um did um did you know that all human beings you and me included have a section in our brain that controls um our our 
uh, our sense of empathy, right? And it is statistically proven. I'm not saying this to shoot down your point. It is statistically proven that those individuals that have this center of the brain that have it just a little smaller have a tendency have a tendency to become uh, serial killers and not uh, vis-a-vis uh, good people, so to say. Right? Yeah, maybe. I mean. Listen, like, I, again, I don't really know. Like, I'm not a, not a psychologist. I don't really know how the brain works, to be quite honest. But so no, I, I'm, I'm just, yeah. no. I'm I mean, not. like, like sure. I, I'm sure there are some, like, you know, develop, like, the way your brain is formed or whatever. Right. But if you have, like, certain issues that, like, aren't whatever. Like, if you, there are certain, like, some part of your brain doesn't develop as it should. Like, mm-hmm. that, that'll have an effect on you. Sure. I mean, like right. they're like personality disorders and things like that. Like those absolutely exist. I'm not saying they don't. Um, but I'm just saying like in, in, in all things working being, as whatever, like, you, you know, sure. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say normal, but like, you know, like there are no oh, you can developmental it. issues. Um, like I, I think hopefully they're good. Okay, so but I also understand last... that like people can be like molded very easily, but yes, continue. Okay, so my last question um, bef- uh, before I wrap up here, uh, this question is sort of like a broader question, but it kind of it kind of bring it kind of concludes the circle that we've been going around. Sure, uh, talking around for the past uh, two hours almost now. Um, so, do you think that? Us as, you know, who do you think did all this? Like, like, what do you think? Like, do you, all right, here's a question. Do you believe in, do you believe that there is other life out there? You know, uh, uh, before you even think it, I'm just saying, do you, do you believe in the existence of little green men? Yeah, for sure. Okay. So you believe that there is something. I think it's like statistically improbable that there's not. Okay. So, 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 you know, you know, that, that brings me back to my original, like, who do you think did all this? Who do you think created the world? Who do you think made the human brain? There has to be, I mean, I, I, I mean, we've pretty, we've pretty much established that I don't believe in a a single person did all this. That's a very theistic thought of you right there. Okay. So to think of a, to think of a prime mover or like a driver or whatever. Okay. Okay. No, no, but no, but no intelligent design or whatever. Okay. So, but, so, but I'm asking you that, like, do you, what do I think? Yeah. Like, like, like who, like, like if you, like, like if you believed in that, what I said, what do you think? Like, like who made the human brain, for example, because the human brain is one of the most complicated machines on the planet. Who did that? How did we get to that? Right? I mean, I mean, like the simple answer is just evolution. And like, you know, we stem from apes and whatever. And like right. the, the apes that did best were the apes with the biggest brains. And they selectively oh. breeded over time by like environmental input because they realized that like the smarter they are and like the more they can manipulate the environment around them, mm-hmm. the more they could use it to survive. And they did. And eventually oh. lots of that made it so if you have a human-like brain 
you're going to be pretty good at, you know, ruining everything around you. <laughs> Actually, um, I'm not going to make that my final question. This is my final question. Okay. So um, it's pretty established that uh, some, some of the conversations we have are, are about space because I love science fiction. You like asking me about science fiction sometimes. Sure. So do you believe in your lifetime and in my lifetime, I hope, do you believe that eventually we're going to find some way to to deal with the with with the huge issue that uh, that we're dealing with right now as a, as a people, where uh, overpopulation is going to become a problem? Uh, uh, the, the you know the pollution the 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 fact that we are polluting our atmosphere at a at a tremendously horrible rate. Do you think one day that we'll be able to go to another planet and have sustainable life on that planet? Yeah. I mean, there's no reason we can't like, you know, okay. go live on Mars or whatever. That's um, it. Like, so, yeah, but we can, but I mean, I also think like humans like to do everything wrong, but eventually they get things right that's or whatever. Everything like some, there's wrong. some phrase like that. Like I know like Winston Churchill said that about like the Americans, they're like, you know, Americans always do the right thing after doing every other wrong option kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I think eventually, like, humans will get there. And I also think, like, our technology is advancing at a rate that's hopefully, hopefully fast enough. Fast enough. Um, you know, and, like, obviously, that's not, like, a walk in the park. And it's going to take huge, like, governmental push and also, like, industry push. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm hopeful that I think that we can solve some of these issues. Like, overpopulation, I think, like, obviously, it's a and problem that we need to be able to like take care of everyone but like we also create enough food right now that we can make it so no one was hungry on earth we just happen to be bad at shipping it to everyone and supply chain and like also wealth distribution and things like that but like i i don't know like i even like so i'm in the oil and gas industry i mean like the really bad guy zone um, <laughs> you work for the bad people and yeah no that's exactly what i do but you know, like I do see like there is a lot of investment and a lot of equity being put towards like research and things. Yeah, so I, mean, I don't know, like even like my my company is, has been like investing fairly heavily in like green technologies and like, you know, pyrolysis for um, recycling and things like that. So I think that we will not all die. <laughs> it, it, might, it will probably get much worse before it gets better. Mm -hmm. no. Like, I don't think it's like the end of the human race. No, the main reason that I bring this up is because over the past couple of years, I've become very interested in science that is actually real. It isn't in, it isn't flim flam science. Mm. Right. And I look at somebody like, even though you may think he's a devil, a lot of people think he's, the he's a devil. Um, I look at somebody like Elon Musk, for example. Right? I don't think he's the devil. I think he's a, he's a bad guy at heart, but I don't think he's yeah, the devil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well, a lot of people think he's just... It's all his, like, apartheid South yeah. African wealth. <laughs> Awful. Um, that being said, what you know, despite what people may think about him, I think that he has a really unique vision of what is possible. I mean... Yeah. No, I mean, he's he's definitely, like, an optimist. He... Um, pushes you know, his people crazy hard but he gets great you know results out of them no but the, the, no but, but his his program in spacex made me believe that 
one day, if somebody's going to get to the moon, it's going to be him. We've been to the moon. I mean, no, no, not the moon. Sorry. <laughs> not the moon. Mars. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure we can, like, go if we wanted. Right. Uh, okay, no, I, I that's no, no, no. But, like, no, yeah, no. it's going to be some sort of collaboration between NASA and SpaceX and you know, there's some other big ones like Blue right. Origin and whatever, but yeah, like, yeah, you, uh, Jeff, no, I mean, like, Blue Origin. yeah, but like, I mean, like, Elon definitely has a very, um, I guess, optimist. I don't know what the word I was looking for there was, but like, even like Tesla's definitely pushed like electric vehicles, like EVs, that's, yeah, it's that's, him, that's like into the market much faster than Are I you think would have happened otherwise. Um, would I don't you know. like to get one of those, maybe They're pretty cool, they drive by themselves. Yeah, well, I don't know. I need them to be able to go further. I think. Okay. But I know, like one of like the the drivers that people don't get them is something called like range anxiety, like the the fact that they can't drive that far. Uh huh. And I kind of agree with that. Okay. But. No, um, no. I guess I guess the final question here is that: Do you believe that a day will come where we can we'll have the choice to live on this planet or on another one? Not in our lifetime, no. But oh, okay, I think in, like, I mean like yes, eventually, sure. In, in, yeah. in someone's lifetime, yeah. It's just like I don't, you know. I think the technology is a long way off. I also don't think there's a huge need for it at the moment. Um, you know, I don't think we need to like get off Earth right now. No, uh, you know, okay. we're fine. It's also we're, like again being part of oil and gas. Like what we always hear, and like you know, I hope it's not just like industry propaganda, but like we're not going to run out of oil. We're going to like move on past oil. Like we're just not going to need it anymore as much. Uh, like there are certain things like lubricants or whatever in machines that like will continue needing, but like, you know, there's renewable energy and there's other, other sources for certain like petroleum products that like we should be fine to replace eventually. Like the technology is not there yet, but like, you know, it's there, there is like research being done. That's like promising. No, but uh, what I what what I'm really trying to get here is that do you think that life, living, uh, a long a uh, uh, long time living in space, will be possible for humans at some point? Yeah, absolutely. That'll wrap it up for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode seventy, entitled "The Meaning of It All." I'd like to thank my guest. Dougie Line, thank you you so much. Thank you for having me on. And with that, as I often say, I'll see you when I see you.